This is Four Color Radio, where the notes meet the page. And welcome once again. My name is Jay and we are here at Four Color Radio. How's everyone doing? Uh, obviously, you can't reply to me because we're on the radio. Uh, but if you do want to reply to me, you can join us on the chat at soundsugarradio.com. Uh, there's a live chat there, and I will be monitoring it as best I can uh, while I'm talking to my guest and spinning some really, really great music this week. So uh, I hope you are all ready. Uh, before we get too far into things, though, uh, I would like to acknowledge that our show is being broadcast from Treaty 6 territory, which traditional lands of First Nations and Métis people, and we are very privileged to do so. Um, We are going to have probably one of the most musically diverse shows that we've had so far during the series, Uh, and to thank, uh, the thanks for that goes to my guests joining me over my phone, uh, Miss Suzette Chan. Hi, Suzette, how are you? Hi, Jay. I'm fine. How about you? Doing great, doing great. And I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, how people react to tonight's soundtrack, which, uh, by the way, is the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 awesome mixtape. What a great pick. Thank you so much for choosing this one. So much fun. So much to choose from. Um, But first off, I'll just like the the question I like to ask people is uh, what, uh, why Guardians of the Galaxy Volume two, because volume one was pretty awesome as well. Um, so why did you go with volume two? Well, I went, I went with volume two because um, there's a huge variety of songs. And he and James Gunn um, and his team managed to choose songs that were not um, obvious necessarily, but that I remember from my actual childhood so um so you know when 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 they uh come in i you know the first song song that uh, we'll choose um I, that just brought me right back to being uh, a little one <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's not something a lot of marvel movies have done for me and uh um it, you know kurt russell is in this in this movie and he was a huge fixture in uh, in my television viewing life because he starred in all these Disney films, mm. and um, yep. um, so you know he's always on TV. So um, so yeah, this this whole so it starts like that, and the the whole thing is this sort of a nostalgia trap for me. Well, and it's one of the really interesting things about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy soundtracks because you're talking about. Um, a modern day adventure that takes place in the far reaches of space, but has this nostalgic factor that's amplified through music. That's 40, 50 plus years old. Like, so they're, they're taking the modern and the future and pairing it up with the past. It's that's a really kind of odd mix. Don't you think? It's an odd mix, but you know, it's not unprecedented in the, when I was a kid, you know, the, 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 probably the movie that really got me, I mean, I had been reading comics, but as far as movies and science fiction, it was Star Wars, right? Mm. And going into that, I knew nothing. But even as a child, I could recognize that it was very nostalgic. Like I could recognize that 
Well, first of all, it tells you it, it took, this is a story that takes place a, a long time ago. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, um, you're already, um, I was already seeing the juxtaposition between the future and the past. Yeah. And I think it works really, really well. I mean, it, obviously it plays a big part in the lead characters, uh, you know, survival instincts really is his attachment to that one era of music, that specific era of music. Right. And that's kind of what obviously motivates him. That what pushes Peter Quill throughout both movies is that love of music. And then, he does something that most people who really, really love music, he shares it. Not only, not often willingly, he really imposes it on people. <laughs> it's like, this is the music that I love. You are now going to listen to it because it's amazing. It's awesome. I just think that's it's yeah, such I can't a. Remember, there, there, I think there's a scene where someone says, "Oh, is that Quill's music?" <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like he, he really becomes renowned, especially by the second movie. He's renowned for it, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the third movie and, and how they approach it and everything that they uh, they do with it. But uh, for right now, let's get to some of that music. Um, do we want to spoil anything about the first song, or do we want to talk about it after? Uh, that's up to you. That's up You're to the host. Oh, well, <laughs> uh, I will say, uh, I know just doing a little bit of research um, that I did about the whole thing. I know um, James Gunn had stated in a couple interviews that he felt a tremendous amount of pressure uh, doing Awesome Mixtape Volume 2 because Mixtape Volume 1 was so well received. And he really went out of his way to make it more diverse uh, and more like truly unique and special. So uh, I think we're going to let the first song uh, just kind of talk to it, speak for itself, because I find that it, along with a lot of songs that we're going to play tonight, um, are very, very story oriented. They they tell complete stories uh, and, and very fluent. So you don't have a lot of repetition of lyrics and there's nothing that's kind of empty or vapid. So uh, let's kick it off here then with the first track from the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 Awesome Mix. And we'll talk a little bit about it when we come back. There's a port on a western bay And it serves a hundred ships a day Lonely sailors pass the time away And talk about their home a girl in this harbor town and she works laying whiskey down they say brandy fetch another round she serves them whiskey and wine the sailors say brandy you're a fine girl Sailor said, Brandy, you're a fine girl. 
from their 1972 hit Brandy, You're a Fine Girl. Um, kind of a one-hit wonder band, a little bit, uh, but and that was the band's biggest hit by far, and songwriter Elliot Laurie apparently was absolutely thrilled when this song got used in Gardens of the Galaxy 2 because to him, he said, it took on a whole new meaning. It was just like, it, from what he had written nearly 40 years ago, it's now like a whole different song and he was super, super thrilled with it. Uh, awesome pick. Like uh, what, what, what bring, what brought that one to your attention for tonight's playlist? Well, this was one of the songs that was playing on the rock, rock and roll radio when I first tuned into rock radio. Mm -hmm. uh, before that, my, you know, my mom was the big radio listener in the house and, you know, she had a middle of the road station on. So it was kind of like an active rebellion. To, to turn on rock and roll <laughs> <laughs> and so this was playing and it, and it was like always playing um so um so it brought me right back so like so like peter i associated the song with my mother unlike peter uh the her relationship with aliens was a not as complex nope. so. <laughs> that's, that's probably a good thing I, I <laughs> but i like i i like the, i love the use of the song in um uh just yeah you know, apart from my personal connection to it mm -hmm. um in the film because it is it, it's the background movie for the backstory of how ego met uh P peter's mother meredith yeah and later on it comes back because Peter associates the song with his mother. He didn't know that whole backstory. Yeah. So it's um, it's uh, like you said, it does tell a story and it fits into the movie very well. Yeah, and I remember this tune growing up as well because you and I are very close in age, um, and I just I remember how I always remember how catchy it was, but I I also remember just the fact that it's like it it was that very can that great continuing story that just kind of moved through there. And you got like every, you got to find out uh, who Brandy was. You got to find out who the man she longed for was. You got to find out how everyone reacted about th Like it was just, it was so complete. And I was like, man, this is, you know, and even the do, 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 like it, it it's becomes a fun song to sing. And uh, it was really good. Apparently the song um, was so popular that it forced Barry Manilow 
to change the name of a song that he had written called Brandy to Mandy just so that it wouldn't take away anything from it. And I was like, man, when you when you write a song that's good enough to make Barry Manilow take a sidestep, you know, you've, you've got a hit on your hands for sure. Like that's, you, When you make the man who writes a song rewrite a song, yeah, that's amazing. That's, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Now, our next track, um, you know, is a song that, you know, I, I, I knew the band, I knew ELO, and uh, even at, like in my teen years, discovering them as I'm discovering rock, this song wasn't on my radar until I became well into adulthood. And I think it was one of those tracks that really had to take, it needed that second life to really connect. And accordingly now, like most people, when they think of ELO, they think Mr. Blue Sky. Yeah, it, um, it was, you know, um, ELO was a band that um, I had been more, you know, following a little bit on, on the radio. And I just never, I did not remember this song until my adulthood. Yeah. And it, it, it turns out it, it didn't crack the top 25 in the U.S. or Canada when it was released. So, it, it, you know, it wasn't until it landed on some soundtracks later on that it gained some steam. So, um, and I, I, I love the use of it. It's just, it's a, it's a big, bright song. It is. And I mean, like that's, it's how they start the movie. They kick off the movie with Mr. Blue Sky um, while they are fighting for their lives against a giant multi-tentacled alien creature that's trying to kill everyone. So uh, on the happy note of uh, mass multiple deaths, um, let's kick off some ELO here from the 2017 Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Place to be with you. Look around. 
that, of course, is the great Jeff Lynn and his band ELO with Mr. Blue Sky. Um, a song that saw a significant resurgence. It got a great second life uh, and actually ended up being a closing theme at the 2012 Summer Olympics. So that's how far that song came around from its uh, initial introduction back in 77 uh, to where it is today. Uh, notably, kind of like almost ELL's most recognizable hit for a lot of people, at least for the modern generation anyway. Um, great pick. Man, it's an awesome song. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it was a great way to start that movie. And uh, when, and to be honest, it's the song I think about when I uh, think about this movie. It's this one and Brandy. Well, we got the two big hits of yours out of the way, then. What does that leave for the rest of the show, Suzette? I don't know. What are we going to well, do? Well, I don't think that's fair to say. Southern Nights is our next pick, and it was a huge hit in, uh, in the 1977. Yeah, um, it is. For, it, it's for weird. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like, so to me, and again, again, we're very close to the same age, so we grew up with a lot of the yeah. same music. When I hear Glenn Campbell... I default to country western music. And to me well, this the, yeah. this song is not like a country western tune. This is an adult contemporary hit with a even a little bit of ragtime in it. Like I get a little ragtime vibe out of it and it's I don't I don't feel Glenn Campbelled as it were. Well, it was um it was a huge like crossover hit for him, for him, right? So so he was indeed a country and western star. He had his own TV show yeah. which I watched. And so, and it was, uh, it, it was like, a, it was like one of these variety shows. Um, so they had him doing skits and he had, he had guests on like Sonny and Cher were regulars and then they got more popular than him. They canceled his show and they continued with them. <laughs> ah, Cher, Cher ruins so many lives. It's crazy. But uh, anyway, but, um, so, but that was like in the late, 60s early 70s but um southern nights came out in 77 and it's actually a cover and a slight rewrite of a song by alan tessence so um the original song which i didn't hear until i was researching this is it is so louisiana i have not been to louisiana (laughs) but i have read so much about it and it just kind of drops you into exactly what you would feel you know that that southern swamp uh, and there's this kind of a really, um, it's a it's a very sensual mood to it, um, yeah, and it's yeah. it's just amazing. But but Southern Nights is not like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> but what what he did was he you know he took some of his country and western right he took some of that pop he took some of the of uh of you know like you say ragtime. And, you know, other kind of uh, Louisiana or New Orleans kind of traditions and pop music. And he put it in this package and it was a huge crossover hit. Um, At the same time, it's not very particular, right? It it took it away from its its specificity of place. Mm -hmm. It's very generalized. Um, So so really what you get out of it, if you didn't even know anything about that, if you just kind of hear it in the movie as background music, you get liveliness, you get optimism, and it plays at a time in the movie where things are turning around. Right. It looks bad, yeah. but things get turned around a bit. Yeah. And it's kind of a 
really great use of the music. I I only find it weird that Peter Quill would like this song because he's from Colorado, which is nowhere near Louisiana. So I don't know where his attachment would come from or why it would make the playlist. There's so many other bands from Colorado that he might have been influenced by, but I like yeah, but, but fair because, enough. Because <laughs> it's because it was a generic hit. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's it's not really associated with the place. So it yeah. works it works in that way. Yeah. Well, we're going to double up Mr. Campbell's Southern Nights uh, with a little bit of Sam Cooke, right? So we're going to yeah. double Yeah, that's going to go back to like to 1962 and Sam Cooke is a great addition to the soundtrack. He's really adding th- this is where when um, James Gunn is talking about mixing things up more and adding more uh, variety to the soundtrack. Uh, bringing in the King of Soul, man, you you can't mix it up any more than that, right? Like, fantastic. Yeah, it, it's really it, it's a really great different texture for the soundtrack. Um, it plays it's very it's very romantic, and it plays in a very romantic scene. Yeah. Um, it's it, it it's not. It's not one of the songs I associate with Sam Cooke. Like it's not one of his mega hits, yeah. um, and so I really appreciated that. It it, it it invites another listen, and when it plays, you just really feel with the scene. It's a very it, it makes it very present. Is that the scene um, where Peter and Gamora are on the balcony? Is that where they? Yeah, he's he's they're romancing. Yeah, yeah. romancing. We'll put that in quotes. We'll. Uh... <laughs> That's like intergalactic romancing. So, uh, well, let's get to a four color radio double shot, which I guess makes it eight colors. I don't know. I'm not really sure. I'm not great at math. Uh, but we're going to kick off here with uh, Glenn Campbell and his hit Southern Nights. We're going to follow it up with some Sam Cooke and bring it on home to me. So here on four color radio.
Legendary Sam Cooke and his song Bring It On Home To Me. Just before that, we heard Southern Nights by Glenn Campbell. Uh, and a couple of uh, interesting facts about Sam Cooke selection. Apparently, Sam Cooke is a musical influence of the mega global band uh, BTS. Is that correct, Suzette? That is correct. <laughs> you're a bit, of, that, you you're a bit of a fan, aren't you, of BTS? Uh, I am. And you know, one of the one of the reasons is because they are this they are his they are musical historians. 
you know, if you if you if you listen to one of their um, albums beginning to end, they will take you on a journey. They go through so many genres and they put it all very nicely. They also like they like uh, uh, putting it together in a story as well. So so that's uh, another attraction for. I guess I'm kind of story minded. <laughs> <laughs> well, there certainly has been like a, certainly no shortage of stories in tonight's music so far. I think uh, everything has been like just super great and a lot of fun. And um, yeah, it's it, this album. It really like it, you, you listen to it and again, connecting it to a spacefaring adventure movie seems very out of sorts. But I mean, you know, obviously those who've seen the movie understand the connection between the music and the characters. Um, but the juxtaposition of it all um, is great. And it really, the music becomes quintessential to scenes and are very, very triggering and very identifiable. Like, you, you, you know, like I haven't seen Guardians 2 in a while, but when Bring It On Home to Me comes in, it's like, okay, they're on the balcony. This is where the, the swooning is trying to take place. Um, <clears throat> so it's, it's a great job by by James Gunn to put this together. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Our next two selections, um, to me, <laughs> a, a, a very, as far as personal tastes go, are, are very on very opposite ends of the scale for me. <laughs> but, you know, you picked them, so I'm going to give you a moment to justify uh our next selection. I mean, okay. uh, other than the fact that you're the guest and you got to pick the songs, um, <laughs> but the the next the next track that we're going to uh, to to take a listen to is called. Uh, well, apparently its original its initial title is Wham Bam. Uh, the full title is Wham Bam Shangalang uh, by a band called Silver. And for those listening, if you've never heard of a band called Silver, that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, they were they were a one hit wonder, and it wasn't even their song. Um, they they were signed to Arista Records, and they turned in an album that um, <laughs> the label turned around and said, uh, "There's nothing on here that's a single." So <laughs> they were given this song <laughs> and told to make it into a hit. <laughs> just just give us something we can put on the radio, please. Here, play this. <laughs> the the head of the label, Clive Davis, actually went in there. He co-produced it. Um, and he he really and you know he had it released and so on and uh, I had, I actually read that story in his autobiography and um, that was probably one of the first um, autobiographies I, I I read of a of a creator or producer so you yeah. know that was one of the things that got me into sort of being interested in these kind of behind the scenes of, of you know commercial artwork right yeah um, but but that that's not why I picked the song <laughs> <laughs> okay why actually, did you pick the song. <laughs> I actually owned this album. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> it's not something a lot of people would admit to, Suzette. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I guess I liked it. Uh, but um, I don't remember any other song from that album, so I don't know. But <laughs> but, um, but what I did, another thing I didn't know about this band at the time was the, okay, so the album it was already signaling trouble because it, it, it looked kind of like, it looks kind of like a wedding photo at the, at the, at, in the front, but it's the band. Right. And above it is this, is their logo, which is a silver tone. Mm -hmm. It looks like something out of a prog rock album, right? Like, like tubular bells or something. And then you have this photo of these kind of scraggly looking guys, like as if they had just gotten married to each other. It was like, this does not make any sense. Anyway, this album cover turns out 
was designed by a fellow named Phil Hartman. Now, Phil Hartman was later known as not, not the guy the on Phil The Hartman. Simpsons. The Phil Hartman. <clears throat> the SNL actor who did voices yeah. on The Simpsons, who yeah. was an amazing part of news radio. That Phil yeah. Hartman. He was a terrible album designer, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> or album cover designer. So anyway, we're glad he moved on to we... <laughs> use his talents elsewhere, right? Uh, and, uh, um, um, the, and yes, they were a one-hit wonder, but one of them joined the Grateful Dead. So he ended up in the, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, the keyboardist, guy, the keyboardist and, and backup, or the second vocalist, because they shared, shared vocals. Yeah, he went on to join the Grateful Dead. Um, passed yeah. away, sadly, very early. I think it, yeah. like before he even hit 40. Um, but thankfully, joined the Grateful Dead and ended up in the Rock and Roll <laughs> Hall of Fame. So, I mean, really, there, yeah. there's still a little win there, you know. So. But you know what? I think I saw one of the guys, uh, Harry Stinson was their drummer and he went on to tour with Steve Earle. Yes. Um, and he co-founded Dead Reckoning Records. So I'm pretty sure I've seen Harry Stinson. So I, 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 so yeah, this is like. Silver's legacy lives on. Silver's legacy lives on. <laughs> Just like Yisha, right? Yeah. You, you know, you thought that she was defeated in battle. Yeah. No, she's back. She's back. <laughs> well, let's get right to it. It's going to be another double shot here. I don't want to say anything about the song that comes after Silver, because I guarantee as soon as people hear it, uh, they're going to know it. They love it. Uh, and it, it's one of. Outside of Mr. Blue Sky, it's probably the next most identifiable song with the film. So let's kick things off here uh, from the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 soundtrack, uh, Silver with Wham Bam Shyamalan. Sha-la-la-la 
you're seeing what I've been saying Cause I hear you singing to the tune I'm playing Now that it's said and we both understand Let's say our goodbyes before it gets out of hand Bye, bye, baby, I'd really like to stay But we'll remember the best time in our lives We had a wham, bam, shang-a-lang and a sha-la-la-la-la thing Wham, bam, shang-a-lang and a sha-la-la-la-la thing Wham, bam, shang-a-lang and a sha-la-la-la-la
that, of course, is the mighty, mighty Fleetwood Mac and the chain. Uh, again, anybody who remembers the initial advertising push uh, for Guardians of the Galaxy, this was the song that they used in all the commercials to kind of launch it and to let us know that Guardians 2 is on their way. And man, uh, <clears throat> literally just kind of like dropping that bass line to set off the commercials and so iconic, so memorable. Great pick, Suzette. Well done. Well, you know, you uh, you you wondered how it was that this was paired with Wham Bam, Bam Shang Lang. Yeah, I had that. I had this album too. I had both of those albums at the same time. <laughs> one one fared a little bit better, <laughs> I think, than the other one did. I think we got a little bit more mileage out of uh, uh, rumors yeah. than we did out of uh, Silver's Wham Bam album there, but. Uh, Still, you know what? It's it's I get <clears throat> it works in the movie. Um, obviously, both songs work fairly well, but the chain. Oh man, that's just that's great. well. It, it yeah, it's um, it like Brandy. It's used twice in the film from the be <coughs> you know at the beginning. It's the chain is used twice in the film at the beginning and at the end, and mm -hmm. it it helps to tell a complete story. So uh, uh, it, it, it's what I. What I, I love about the song selection is that, you know, he didn't seem to approach it as this one scene is this one song. It, right. you know, he is, he, um, he has multiple stories going and he, the songs help it. And tie them together. Yeah, that's, that is true. And I mean, that's, I think that's the reason why those, the Guardians movies work so well is that they had um, connections and closure and a lot of times uh, you know there was evolution to a lot of the relationships um, for really a cast of unknowns like the general movie going public sure we know marvel movies but no one knew who guardians of the galaxy were so uh kudos to mr gunn for making that <laughs> work the way it did um and so while we're talking about the movie um now is the time when we drop a little bit of movie uh tidbits and knowledge uh about it so guardians of the galaxy volume 2 was released worldwide on May 10th of 2017, uh, had a budget of 200 million and grossed 863 million. Um, so just shy of a billion dollars. That all said, uh, it was only the eighth highest grossing movie of that year. So there were seven other movies that made more than $863 million. Um, I know that's becoming the norm, but that's still blows my brain a little bit <laughs> going. So hopefully the movie industry, uh, you know, can recover now that things are loosening up and we can start seeing some of those numbers again. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 also did something that is very uncommon with sequels is that it surpassed the first movie as far as not only just uh, first ticket sales go, um, but also as far as the music went too, because the volume two soundtrack actually outsold the volume one soundtrack as well. Uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy in comics uh, were a little bit different when they first debuted in June of 1969. Uh, probably the only character that most people who are familiar with the movies would recognize from that comic uh, is Yondu in his Whistling Arrow. Uh, other than that, pretty much the rest of the team was all kind of uh, a completely different set of characters. It was in a different uh, timeline, uh, all sorts of things. So the characters we see in the movie um, were actually featured in uh, the 2008 revisioning of the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, which was uh, led by British uh, creators Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, who 
do wonderful, wonderful space faring adventure comics. So if you're ever, if you're somebody looking for some cool sci-fi adventure stuff, look for Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. They will make you smile. Uh, most of those Legion Lost. Legion Lost. <laughs> yeah, that one's that's an amazing book. Um, most of the characters have been modernized, but a lot actually have been around for quite a while. Uh, Groot being the oldest character, uh, actually appearing back in the 60s. Um, but the character that's going to cost you the most money if you're a collector looking to get a hold of first appearances is going to be Drax um, because he had the fortune or misfortune of appearing in the same comic book that saw the first appearance of Thanos, who has really, really jacked up the price of Iron Man 55. Um, I'm actually sitting not too far away from one right now. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you have a chance, it, they're not cheap anymore. That's for sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the volume two album did uh, super well. Uh, as I mentioned, it outdid the first volume. Uh, it actually had huge, huge vinyl sales when it debuted. It did close to 40,000 in vinyl sales. Um, but the big, really interesting number for me was the fact that it sold 19,000 copies on cassette in the year 2017, when cassette players were ridiculously hard to find because nobody was manufacturing them anymore. So there are 19,000 copies of this uh, soundtrack out there on cassette. Um, so if you are somebody who is nostalgic for a fairly antiquated uh, format of listening to music, you can probably track one down possibly on eBay or at uh, a local pawn shop of somebody mistaking it for an actual vintage piece of music. <laughs> um, so that's kind of our roundup of the movie, the music, and the comics. And we're going to kind of slide into our last couple tracks of the evening. Um, the first one uh, really kind of is a good balance, I guess, almost to uh, our opening track of the night. I think it's kind of a good uh, counterpoint when you say. I think so. Um, you know, Brandy was associated in the film with uh, Peter Quill's mother, Meredith. And uh, this next song is called Father and Son. And in the movie, it's associated with Yondu, who is um, Peter's, I mean, I guess we could say, a, I don't know. A father figure? <laughs> father figure. Father figure. Let's, yeah. let's say that way. <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> he's, part Fagan, part actual father figure. And, you know, this song was, um, you know, I instantly recognized it when it came up because it was on the radio like all the time, right? And I always found it hard to, to sit through because I always cried. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a very unusual song. And it turns out it was, it was because it was originally written for a musical. So it was supposed to be like in a musical and it's supposed to be a dialogue between two characters. And, uh, um, you, you know, the musical didn't happen. So, uh, but Cat Stevens put it out as a, as a single and uh, against all odds, it really, it worked, right? And uh, um, a few years ago, he, uh, he re-recorded it. He recorded, he recorded um, the older parts and he mixed right. it with the younger parts. So the, so there's a track where you can hear the 22-year-old him singing and the 72-year-old singing together. Mm. And it's very fascinating. Also, it'll make you cry. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so, once, yeah, when, once we're done wiping yeah. away the tears from that, we're going to follow it up with the last song of the night, which is actually 
it's still kind of like a family oriented song, but um, much more about, uh, well, I mean, really, it, it is noted, Cheap Trick Surrender is noted as being like a teen anthem and about a teen discovering his parents are not who he thinks they are. And in a lot of ways, he finds out they're just, they're much cooler than he thinks they are. So yeah, that was, that's kind of a, a cool way to, to, to round things out. And I mean, it really kind of brings the whole movie and the soundtrack full circle. It does. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's quite relevant. And um, uh, I guess James Gunn wanted to get a cheap trick song on the first one in the first movie and didn't. So they, so he, uh, he got this one. And uh, this this song is really near and dear to me. I also had this album because it was it was it came from uh, so Cheap Trick uh, was doing okay in the U.S. No great shakes, but they were very popular in Japan, mm -hmm. and they released a live album there. Uh, and somehow it was only supposed to be for Japan, but somehow it made it over back to America, and then and it blew up all over. Um, uh, and it's, I, I don't know, it just really captures their energy. And I, and, um, Absolutely. I think, and, and Cheap Trick themselves, like their image, like they were just looked like a ragtag group of people tossed together. And it was, then, you know, to me, that is very much Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. And I mean, when we look at all the music that we're going through, like, so you know, Cheap Trick is about a teen learning about his family. Uh, his parents not being who they think they are. It's you've got the Cat Stevens father and son. We've got Brandy. There's so much music that's really about family. You would almost think we're talking about a Fast and Furious movie, um, but I, we're not. We're talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy. So we're gonna kick off with the last uh, last two songs of the night here. We're gonna come up first with some Cat Stevens from 1970 and his hit Father and Son, and then we're gonna uh, close out musically uh, with Cheap Trick and Surrender here on Four Color Radio. It's not time to make a change Just relax, take it easy You're still young, that's your fault There's so much you have to know Find a girl, settle down If you want, you can marry Look at me, I am old, but I'm happy I was once like you are now And I know that it's not easy To be calm when you found something going on but take your time, think a lot Why think of everything you've got For you will still be here tomorrow But your dreams may not How can I try to explain When I do, he turns away again It's always been the same same old story From the moment I could talk I was ordered to listen Now there's a way And I know That I have to go away I know I have to go 
not time to make a change Just sit down, take it slowly You're still young, that's your fault There's so much you have to go through Find a girl, settle down If you want, you can marry Look at me, I am old, but I'm happy That I've cried Keeping all the things I knew inside It's hard But it's harder to ignore it If they were right I'd agree But it's them they know Not me Now there's a way And I know That I have to go away I know I have to go
And that is, of course, iconic 70s rockers Cheap Trick and their mega hit Surrender from 1978, all part of the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 soundtrack released in 2017. Man, those were awesome picks, Suzette. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for the opportunity. It was really fun to to go through all of that. Is there... uh, like the soundtrack has obviously a lot more songs on it, um, but these were kind of like these eight were your your quintessential picks to go to. Was there anything that was like kind of on the cusp or really close that didn't make the cut? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Like I, 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 I mean, I guess I, I, I thought it was. Uh, I thought I had to pick fewer, so I, so I just kind of <laughs> added them on. <laughs> well, that was... I, I don't regret any picks. At all. Well, I think they, no they, they encapsulate the movie really, really well. Uh, we did have a question for you in the chat room. And uh, one of the fills, oh, I can't remember which one now, but one of the fills, we always have two, which makes it very confusing, um, wants to know that with, with your appreciation for James Gunn's use of music in films, um, what are your expectations for the Suicide Squad movie coming up this fall, which James Gunn also uh, directed? Well, I, I'm hoping that he can work his magic with characters. He's uh, he's really great at developing characters and storylines, and um, you know, he uses music to match that. Um, you know, whether or not he has music, um, I mean, I hope he does. Um, yeah, I think uh, I am looking forward to a little more character development. The the first movie was kind of introduction and things happened right but but uh to be able to tie things together i think this exercise really kind of underlined to me how well the characters were developed and how their storylines uh intersected oh absolutely like i said earlier it's uh you you take a group of characters that even a lot of comic fans didn't know and and you build two really fantastic fun movies that were not short on depth of plot or character development at all um, sometimes a little lacking in the special effects department. Um, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it was close enough. It was still a really good movies. <laughs> you know what? Every set they spent on, on the music instead of special effects was worth it. That was worth it. It's only worth it in the end. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, before we call it a night here, Suzette, do you have any, um, special projects or anything that you'd like to promote and let people know about? Uh, I don't have anything special, but if I have anything going on, um, you, um, you can visit my my WordPress. It's called artcity.ca, like the city of arts. <laughs> um, what I'll, I'll be putting, you know what? I'm going to be posting after the show. I'm going to be posting um, an interview that was done uh, with me on uh, my feelings about uh, BTS's the remixes of BTS's song butter and Mm. the thing is we were trying to figure out if our musical tastes influenced which one we like best so it'll be more if you like to hear me talk about my childhood favorite music that's the place for you that'll be the place well yes and you are very easy uh to find on all the social medias twitter uh facebook suzette chan um you do a lot of stuff you're a huge fan of a lot of things as i mentioned last week a uh, huge bts fan as we've touched upon a couple times tonight uh i followed your journeys as you chronicled through most of the supernatural tv series which you were a huge fan of um you're a huge fan of of comics a huge proponent supporter and appreciator of comics and uh, you have been a wonderful guest and it's 
been great to see you. We haven't seen each other in a very, very long time. Oh, thanks for this, Jay. It was so much fun. Uh, I, I appreciate it. Hopefully, maybe maybe we can bring you back on for another album some, to- some point down the road, which would be pretty cool. Maybe, maybe we'll- I'll see you in person. Th- yeah, we can do the next one in person. That would be great. Uh, again, my guest, Suzette Chan. Uh, next week, my guest uh, is going to be a uh, writer, artist, and lover of mustard, uh, Allie Thompson. And Allie is going to keep us locked into 2017 as we visit the soundtrack for the movie Atomic Blonde. Probably bet you didn't see that one coming, did you? Uh, <clears throat> make sure to tune in next week. Join us in the chat if you can. Uh, if you don't get a chance to join us live, uh, we are uh, podcasted on the Sound Sugar Radio Network, so you can go back and listen to all the episodes on there. Uh, once again, I'm your host, Jay Bardilla, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Four Color Radio.